Warriors, and welcome to another episode of the Warrior Within the Woman podcast. I am your host, Pastor Lauren Daniel. I pray that God is truly blessing you, and maybe if you're having a rough week, I hope that this message truly reaches your heart today. Whether you are listening for the very first time or you've been a a listener from the beginning, remember to rate the podcast, leave reviews, share it with your friends and family, all of that good stuff. It helps so much and it helps get the word out about the warrior within the woman and all God is doing in this ministry. So make sure to share it. Today we're going to be talking about a very well-known man of the Bible. Uh, Maybe even if you're not someone that is familiar with the Bible, you're going to understand or even know who this person is. And his name is Samson. Today I want to talk to you specifically about the rock and the skull. We know that Samson was the strongest man that ever lived and he was a judge for Israel. And this is where we're starting in Judges chapter 14. Samson is a younger man. He's a man ready to marry. We can say that Judges chapter 14 is probably where the mistakes start happening, you know, and we can probably all kind of relate to this, maybe not specifically this story, but you can relate to maybe a time in your life where the spiral began, right? I can tell you a lot of times or start making decisions that not necessarily helped me, uh, but hindered the work of God in my life. And I can see this, especially in Judges chapter 14. Samson is a young man and he is strong. He is valiant. He is bold. And he becomes interested in a woman and she is a Philistine. She is someone that he should not be hanging out with someone that he should not be interested in because of where she came from and this Philistine woman that he's interested in, you can then derive some of her character by the way the words are used in this context. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more as well. But let's go to Judges chapter 14, verse 1. We're going to go just 1 through 9 today. Judges chapter 14, verse 1 says, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get get her for me. She's the right one for me. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. For at that time, they were ruling over Israel. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother, and as they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands, and as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass, and in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they too ate it, 
but he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Now we're going to start th- stop there right now in scripture, and I want to talk to you a little bit about Samson. If you read his life, whether right now in chapter 14 or a few chapters later on, you're going to see that Samson had a problem with lust. Uh, a lot of men in the Bible <laughs> and men and women now have problems with lust. It is a real problem. It is a real sin. And listen, if they had trouble with it in Jesus' day and before his time, there is a sure fact that there are going to be people that struggle with it today. It is very real. It is very prevalent in our culture. And even when I'm reading this, I just am so burdened by how many young people that are so swarmed with lustful thoughts and lyrics and sexual innuendos and every bit of entertainment in our world today. Because Samson was set apart. He was set apart for such a time as this. He was set apart. You can read in verse 4 that God was preparing Samson to confront the enemy. See, God did not give him the lust that he had. God did not point him toward the enemy, there is your wife, but God was going to use Samson. That was a part of the plan. I mean, we get a little bit of a snapshot in verse 4 that God was going to use Samson for a certain occasion to confront the Philistines, but we're going to see soon, soon after in the next coming chapters how Samson really, how Samson truly... Out of his own lust, his own flesh, his own desires, really begins to change the narrative. He changes the narrative and through his sin, truly stops or pauses to an extent of what God is wanting to do in his life. Samson saw this woman from the enemy's side. And he said, you know, she looks like someone I want. I've seen her. And, but I want to bring your attention to the word seen. I want to bring your attention to verse 2 where um, Samson is talking to his parents and he says, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. I want to bring your attention to that word for a moment, seen, okay? So not only do we know that this woman is in the enemy's camp, a part of someone that does not believe in God, does not believe in the Jewish faith, and Samson is a Jew, right? He is a Jew. So first of all, they're bringing up a concern that are you sure you do not find anyone acceptable in your own camp, in your own, in, in a Jewish, a good Jewish woman that believes what you believe in and is not going to be completely unequally yoked, okay? So if we look at the first mistake, Samson is being enticed by his eyes of the woman he has seen, he has seen. If you research it enough, a lot of theologians believe that whenever the Bible said that Samson has seen a Philistine woman in their culture, in the Arab world, in um, not only Jewish culture, but with the Philistines, they were to cover their faces, right? We see that now in that culture. It was a sign of modesty. This woman, for him to say, I have seen her, a lot of theologians believe that this woman that is enticing him by his eyes had her head uncovered. Now, 
with that, with her head uncovered, is a, or kind of a way to say that that was a sign or an indicator of what kind of character this woman had. Not only was she a part of the enemy that he seen, not only was she a part of a group of people that totally denied what Samson was believing. First of all, we see that Samson's lust, his flesh, his enticed eyes are already deceiving him as a young man. And the first woman that he is lusting after is a woman that he should not be dealing with in the first place. The beginning is when we make these small yet very crucial decisions in our lives to be, our eyes may be enticed, but Samson is acting upon the lust of his eyes. He's acting upon this. He is demanding his parents get this woman for him because he is so much enticed and so much lusting after her. He cannot use self-control and it does not matter to him in his immaturity and in his uh, pride, he does not care who she is or where she comes from or the character that she is displaying. He just wants her because he likes what he sees. So many times in our lives, especially Christians, as we are being called and we take a vow to be set apart and different from this world, we are so easily enticed. And not only, listen, Jesus was tempted, right? So we can look in the word of God. It doesn't mean being tempted is a sin, but when you act on the temptation, when you are enticed by the things that you see, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what the consequences will be. We don't care. And that is the beginning of the end. When we begin to be enticed and lust after things or people or sin or temptation, we begin to act on it and take those steps towards it. That is the first step to your spiraling downward. And we look in the scripture and Samson on the way as his parents and him, they are going toward Timna to meet this woman, meet her family, to set up pretty much the dowry, set up the agreement of the marriage. And they go, they part ways for a time. And on the way to Timna, a lion comes out to kill Samson, to destroy him, right? The lion comes out, startles him. And it says in the word of God that a spirit of the Lord came upon him to kill the lion and Samson ripped the lion in half. Now you might be saying, but Lauren, right? He's, he's on the way to be unequally yoked. He's on, on his way to go after the person he's lusting after, right? He's on his way to do something that is not particularly going to be in his best interest, but the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Let me tell you something. Even if you're on the way to where it's going to be your demise, God can still intervene. And this could have been one of the way, this could have been an indicator to Samson, listen, I need to be focused. I need to be reminded of the power of God upon my life. I need to be reminded of the strength God's given me. This could have been, could have been Samson's indicator that I need to stop. I need to rethink all of this. I need to stop and listen to the Lord I need to stop and, and see where I am going before I get there. But it was not. And the Holy Spirit comes upon Samson to protect him, to provide for him. And he rips the enemy, the lion in half. 
And on and and we can look at that and and when I was studying, I was like, "Well, why?" I mean, the Holy Spirit was protecting him. Yes, God gave him the strength to to destroy the lion because his life had meaning and and maybe you're listening to me today. And there've been so many times in your life you could have died. Even on the way to sin, (laughs) even on the drive to the place that was going to be your demise, on the drive, on the walk, on the way to your first mistake or the downward spiral, and God has intervened time and time and time again, let me remind you, God is faithful. He is merciful. And and that just shows you no matter where you're going right now, you can stop and turn around. You can stop and be reminded reminded of the grace of God. Listen, Samson was not perfect. He was not perfect. Yes, he was appointed judge over Israel, but he clearly was not perfect. He did not have the great rational sense or even self-control right now. We can see that, but God was still faithful. The Holy Spirit was still faithful and provided a way out of an, of the, an attack of, of the lion. And he was able to rip the lion in half and kill it. But it did not open Samson's eyes. It did not remind him of the power of God in his life. We can look at Samson's character and maybe you're saying he didn't care. And maybe because he was young, he was immature. But either way, it did not open his eyes. This attack of a lion and God using him and helping him destroy what could have killed him did not open his eyes to the fact of where he was going. And we see in scripture on his way back, he remembered the lion he killed that he had killed and was curious to see if it was lying there. Now, if you look at the context, a lot of times when these marriage agreements and to collect the dowry and all of this stuff would take time. It would take months or even a year, okay? It would take a lot of time. So in this time, as he is going back to He is reminded once again on the way to the person he should not be with on the way to the to the encounter that is going to lead to his ultimate demise. Okay, the on the way to sin on the way to sin, he is reminded of the goodness of God. But in this time. Samson does not say, wow, God, you are amazing, or wow, the anointing on my life, the strength on my life. No. Samson, being reminded of the lion he killed, became curious. How many of us can admit that we have gotten ourselves in situations we because of curiosity? And even though he's reminded of the lion and reminded of the war that had taken place and that God had given him the strength... He does not take that reminder and see the goodness of God. He gets curious. He gets tempted again. And he returns to the thing that God empowered him to kill. And I can even see Samson in this moment saying, I just want to see what it looks like now that it's dead. I just want to see what's happened to the carcass. I I know it's dead. I know it's dead, but I just want to see what it looks like. I'm just curious about what it, if it looks the same as when I killed it or not, or if it's going to look different. I'm just curious about the thing that is supposed to stay dead. 
Some of y'all need to understand and take into consideration that maybe your curiosity is trying is a, a tactic of the enemy to take you back down a road that you killed a long time ago, a, a road that you have been sober from. A road that you don't need to go look at it again. But because of the curiosity, not our, you're not taking it as a reminder of the goodness of God. You're not taking it as a reminder of God's faithfulness or the strength or anointing he's given you. You're taking it and being enticed and you want to go back just to look at it. No, sister. Back up. Don't go back to that road. Don't go back to the dead thing that is supposed to be dead. You don't need to see it no more. It's dead. It's laying there. There ain't nothing for you in the dead carcass. So leave it alone. Leave it alone. But he didn't. I can say that this may have been his second mistake. His first mistake was being enticed by a woman he shouldn't have even been involved with and acting on it and wanting to marry her, knowing that he shouldn't. Secondly, he's returning to the thing that God empowered him to kill. Maybe even just using the excuse as, I just want to see what it looks like now that it's dead. And a lot of us use the excuse, I just want to see it. It's dead. It's not coming back. I'm not going to give in again. I just want to see it again. I just want to see it. Why do you need to see it? Why do you need to go back? Why do you need to see how that person's living now? You don't need to worry about them. They're not a part of your life no more. Why do you need to see what alcohol would taste like again? You don't need it in your life no more. Why do you need to see how that relationship relationship is going why do you need to see how much money you'd make at that job when you know exactly where you are called to be stop going back to the things that God empowered you to kill and leave dead Samson returned to the carcass and apparently scavengers had done their job of thoroughly cleaning it because it says that there is just a skull there's just a skull laying there what now lays inside the dead carcass or the body or the skull was a colony of bees who had set up a hive dripping with delicious honey. And you may say, well, Lauren, I don't even understand why he can't go back to the dead animal. Why, why can't he just look at it? Why can't he? Well, let, let's talk about it, okay? Let's talk about, before we go any further, let's talk about the vow Samson made. Let's talk about it. The Nazarite vow. See, the Nazarite vow had taken, was taken by individuals who would dedicate, voluntarily dedicate their lives to God. The vow is a decision, an action, a desire on the part of people whose desire is to yield themselves to God completely. Now, this is not a message that's saying everybody needs to be a Nazarite. No, no, no. But I'm, I'm just giving you clarity of who Samson was and why he should not have gone back. Why he didn't even need to look at the dead animal. The vow was given by men or women who are willing to sacrifice certain aspects of their life for the duration of their life. Or some aspects of their life they would sacrifice would include abstaining from wine or drinking anything with alcohol in it. They were not permitted to go, or they were not 
allowed to cut their hair or shave their head. They were abstaining from eating any grapes or anything from a vine or even juice from those. And they were not permitted to come near a corpse, no matter, even if it wasn't their, their family. Even if they were not allowed to go near anything dead. No corpse whatsoever. After a period of dedicated service, some Nazarites would, what well, Nazarite vow would end. It just depends on what you would vow, your life or, or a certain time period. But these are the kind of aspects you would sacrifice, okay? And Samson was a Nazarite. To be a Nazarite... And I want to tell you, no matter who you are, we can kind of take these aspects of this vow into our Christian walk. So walk with me. Entertain my thoughts for a second, okay? So as a Christian, we abstain from things that could make us fall, right? We can make, that could stumble, that could make us stumble, that could pause the work of God in our lives or could interfere with the anointing right? Now, I'm not here to, uh, I'm not here to argue with people over what you abstain from or whatever. That's between you and God. But I will tell you, be cautious, be cautious, be vigilant of what you are entertaining and what you are consuming. See, the Nazarites were not allowed to be near anything dead, We're not allowed to be near anything that was a corpse. And let me remind you as a Christian, if you are around death all the time, you're around the negative people. You're around the people that don't believe in God. You're around people that could care less about your mental health. You're around people that entertain spiritual demonic influences in their life, whether it's on television, on music you listen to. If they're entertaining demons, listen to me. If you're around these type of people and you surround yourself with demonic influences, when you surround yourself with addiction, you surround yourself with people that have nothing good or positive to say, you surround yourself with victims, you surround yourself with death, you will become dead. You will become dead inside. That is a pure sign. I'm telling you, 100%. You surround yourself with addiction, you're going to get addicted. You surround yourself with negativity, honey, you're going to be negative. If you surround yourself with demons, guess what's going to happen? You're going to invite those demonic things in your home, in your marriage, in your children's lives, and I don't care what it looks like on television. I don't care if it looks innocent. Trust God. Listen, the Bible says, the Bible says to to test every spirit. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. Test the spirits whether they are from God because many, many false prophets are gone out into the world. Listen to me today. Not only should you be testing what you hear from people that call themselves ministers or leaders, okay? God says to test the spirit. Test the spirits that are behind it because you understand, right, that in a spiritual realm, there are many spirits. There are spirit, there is the spirit of God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit that will bring forth um 
conviction and correction and love and grace and mercy, okay? And then there are demonic spirits that bring about fear and witchcraft upon your life. And I'm not here to argue what you watch on a Saturday night. All I'm saying is be cautious, women of God. Be cautious, warriors, of what you're letting in your home, especially around this time of the year, around Halloween. Listen, I love to dress up. Y'all, if you follow me on social media, if you follow any type of ministry, any type of outreach, I'm all about dressing up. I love dressing up like Bible characters. I like dressing up like a hillbilly. I like dressing up. I mean, I'm all about it, okay? Because I'm crazy. But anyways, but what I'm saying is, you know, my son loves to dress up in costumes, but you can guarantee that my son will not be watching junk on television. I will not even watch it myself. I'm not watching some, I'm not watching some cutting up body parts, eating it, demonic spiritual attack on television. I'm not listening to the music that not only demonizes and subjects women to criminal acts in their lyrics. I'm not, ta- I'm not listening to the lyrics of addiction. I'm telling you, be vigilant, be vigilant of what you're consuming Be vigilant of what your child's watching on YouTube. Be vigilant of the music your your child's friends and what they're doing. Listen, what you surround yourself with, you will become. You will become it. There are many of us that have triggers we don't even realize we have. Let me give you an example. I love music. Like, I love music. I love all kinds of music. (laughs) I love to dance. I love to sing. I love to listen to music. And there was a time in my life where I truly felt that there was, you know, music was not going to affect me. That people would preach about music and it's like, it's not that big of a deal, blah, blah, blah. Like, you're just being religious nutcase, right? That's how I felt. I truly felt that way. And I'm not condemning anyone for listening to music, but I'm saying I'm giving you a new perspective. And so I realized that even if the music didn't necessarily say anything bad or the music didn't have any type of bad innuendos, I could see a change in my mental state. I could see, but in my personal life, in my behind closed doors where nobody can see God has opened my eyes to, he's opened my eyes to movies and and podcasts and shows that I was consuming that I didn't realize were creating in me a depressive anxious fearful spirit I'm talking about a spirit that was so afraid be cautious of what you are consuming Be cautious, woman of God. Be cautious of what you're allowing in your home because there comes a day, there comes a time when you're going to realize and your eyes are going to be open to a lot of the issues and personality issues and character issues that are going on in your home comes directly and correlates directly to what your family is consuming. You may disagree with me completely, and that's fine. Girl, I love you still, but I'm telling you, there is a spiritual battle. 
amongst everything that you consume. And just like Samson, who had created, he had made a vow. I'm going to withstand. I'm going to go away from that. I'm not going to hang out with the dead. I'm not going to touch the dead. I'm not going to play with demons. I'm not going to deal with witchcraft. I don't care in what form, whether Disney or not. I'm not dealing with witchcraft or what it could bring in the future for my son or for my family. I'm not even opening the door because you know why? Let's say in a few years, you're right. It's not a big deal. Guess who lost? Nobody. Everybody wins. It's not a big deal. Everybody's kids are not screwed up over watching witchcraft. Great. But let me tell you something. I've seen the effects of witchcraft. I've seen the um, effects on families of shows and movies and television and music and books and things that you should not be reading. You should not be consuming, no matter how entertaining it is, no matter how intriguing it may be, your soul is consuming it as well. And one thing that I have realized in my life through a conversation with a mentor a few years ago, when you watch a movie and when you watch television, something created that. That idea came to someone, but it came from something. And I know God is not the source of evil. So if you're watching something satanic, and you're watching something, if you're watching these type of things, I can tell you for a fact that's not from God. So the spirit, right? The spiritual aspect of it, the demon that created that, the spirit, the demon that's attached to that, you are welcoming into your home. There is a spiritual aspect of it. And when you consume something, I don't care if it's in written form, it's in visual form, if it's in, if you're listening to it, I don't care what it is. I'm telling you from my own personal experience, you will be better off mentally, you'll be better off spiritually cutting all that junk off and focusing on God. What is so entertaining about demons? What is so entertaining about curses and witchcraft? Nothing should be intriguing about that. And to me, I don't trust the enemy. We must be vigilant. I would rather be overly cautious and my child not go through trauma, especially connected to demons, than to allow stuff like this in my home. And see, the honey was alluring. It was enticing. It was tempting. The honey looked good. It was innocent. We were eating, we were snacking on that honey. Be careful of the honey you are you are eating. Be careful, even though it's sweet and good right now, be cautious of where you're getting the honey. Be cautious of where you're eating from. Without hesitation, Samson reaches inside the dead carcass, the dead skull of a lion, an unclean animal, not only an unclean animal, a dead unclean animal and scoops up this honey and eats it. He enjoyed a good portion of it for himself. And this is the part where it really shook me. He enjoyed a good portion of it for himself. And then we're told he later gave some of it to his parents. Right here, we run into a host of problems. If Samson's parents had known if they had known where the honey came from, 
If they had known where Samson had gotten the honey from, they never in a million years had eaten it. Mothers, fathers, women of God, men of God, whoever you are, whether you have children or not, let me, you were to know, if we were all to know the true meaning behind things, we would have never in a million years touched it. We would have never in a million years pressed play in our living rooms. We would have never in a million years eaten it and consumed it because we know better. I know better. And I know I'm not a perfect parent. I know I'm not a perfect wife. There are things that I regret. Not only was the lion unclean, but it was dead. Stop going back to the dead things in your life. Stop going back to the things that tried to destroy you. Memory is a weird thing. Our brains have been found that through trauma, they will hide things from us. Or even totally disregard. We'll forget about it. We'll forget about trauma. We'll forget about demons. We fall sometimes because of the things that we had to go through to get out of that and get sober. And Satan will use that. You may be looking at something, listening to something, talking to somebody again. I don't know what you're doing. But if you are consuming something God empowered you to kill a long time ago. And get away from and cut those friends off. I'm telling you, don't go back. Don't eat the honey. Because let me tell you, the honey might be sweet, but it's sitting in a dead skull. And of an unclean animal. It's not going to sit well with your stomach in the long run. And maybe some of you might be even thinking, but Lauren, this is the only way I can provide this is the only way I can get fed. This is the only way I can feel secure is the honey in the skull. This is the only way that I can feel myself or get my identity again is staying with this person and staying with this group of people even though I feel so broken and I feel so empty. But let me tell you a promise God gave. You don't have to eat the honey from the skull. You don't have to go back to what was dead. Because God promises he will provide the honey from the rock. Honey can't come from a rock. But you see, God is not confined to doing the things that are explainable. You may be saying, but Lauren, this is the only way I've been able to provide for my family. This is the only way that I can feel myself again. This is the only way. But I'm telling you, it is not the only way. The enemy is trying to convince you it is the only way. But I'm telling you, sister, you have an identity, a royal identity in God. And I'm telling you, God will provide for your needs. He will provide for your family and he will bring it from unexplained places. He will bring it from a rock, something that is not even normal. That's not even real. People, that doesn't even happen. But God is able to do the unexplained. He's able to do miracles upon miracles to provide for your family if you would just keep stepping forward and keep standing on your faith and your boldness. Water wasn't supposed to come from a rock either, but God did it in Exodus when he was providing for his people in the desert. When they were dry and empty, God provided water from a rock, something that was, that was totally impossible. 
In Psalms 81, we read a word from God of his brokenheartedness to his people. And Israel just was not listening. They had gone their own way, but God is speaking from his lament. And he says in verse 13 through 16, really God brings into perspective what he feels. And he says, if my people would only listen to me, if Israel would only follow my ways, how quickly I would subdue their enemies. How quickly he would take care of them for you, warrior. And he would turn his hand against their, our foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him and their punishment would last forever. But you would be fed with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock. I will satisfy you. I know it seems like it's the only way. I know it seems like it's the only way you've lived. And maybe even people will tell you that you're religious or judgmental when you put boundaries in your home that not everybody agrees with. Listen, I'm not here to put down people. I'm not here to put down the choices you've made. I'm just giving you a perspective to make new choices. I'm giving you a different perspective. And it's okay if it's made you upset. It's okay if it's made you angry. Listen, the biggest growing seasons of my life, I've been upset with God. (laughs) I've been hurt or offended by the correction that needed to come to my spirit. But I'm not here to put you down. I'm standing with you, sister. I'm standing with you, warriors, in the decisions you need to make for your home to stop the enemy's attacks. Sometimes we need to just shut up. Sometimes we need to shut our mouths and shut our minds off and just listen to God. He is begging you today. Just listen for a moment. Don't get offended. Don't easily run away because this is what you like to watch or this is what you like to read. But just listen to the biblical perspective. Listen to him. If we were to just take a moment with God and listen, we would be reminded of the promises to come sense in us and being offended when God has clearly given you instruction on how you should feed your family spiritually, how you should feed yourself spiritually. There is no sense in mature Christians getting offended over things like that when really people are trying to just bring correction because we are easily bringing witchcraft into our homes. We would be reminded of his faithfulness if we would just listen. We would be reminded of his goodness and his grace. And we would be reminded of God's character if we would just listen to him and read his word. And then it would be so easy to follow and put away all evil practices and all forms, forms of witchcraft. Whether it may be perceived as innocent or not. God promises that if we would just stop what we're doing and just turn back to him, he would make everything right. He would stop the enemy in their tracks. He would provide for your knees in ways that are totally unimaginable. And he will take care of you, warrior. But we have to stop and look. We need to stop looking for the honey. Because if you keep looking in the, with, for the honey in all the dead places, all you're going to get is poison. We have to stop trying to figure out the plan and every step from here on out and just sit and wait and let God bring honey from the rock for you. Stop eating from the skull. Stop devouring the things of evil and just 
listen and let God provide. God bless you. I hope that this message has truly met you where you are. And I I love you, sisters. I'm praying for you. Keep fighting the good fight and keep pushing forward, warriors. I'm on your side. God bless you. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Warrior Within the Woman podcast. Love you, friends.